Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read verse 12. I'm going to read out of the NIV and going to read two passages. First is Ephesians 6, and then a few minutes later, we're going to read 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5. So Ephesians 6, 12. We'll throw that up on the board. You can read along, kick this thing off. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's kind of a dark scripture, maybe a little bit depressing to some of you, maybe a little bit heavy, but I happen to really like it because I think sometimes one of my favorite things about scripture is when you can just read it and it just says exactly what it means. And when I read this, I go, okay, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood, we know, is what we have as humans, as humanity. So is it saying our struggle is not with people? Man, this is actually really freeing. When I get to read it through this light, our struggle is not flesh and blood, but it's rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces of evil. Guys, this is going to be fun. We're going to talk about demons today. I held off last service. I was like, don't say the word too soon because some people will freak out. But I think it just gets your attention. We're going to talk about demons, and I'm actually being serious. But I really do have this, I would say, healthy perspective from this journey because I see this in Scripture. I'm going to share some of my own experience. But it's just true. The struggle's real, but people aren't the problem. So many times we end up engaging in people, and I get it. Look, we say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. There, there are reasons that, that people act the way they do, and you're like, you know, it's kind of justified to want to slap them in the face and their mama right now. But you're like, mm, you know, you think about it. And the scripture is just telling us, look, it, it's not saying there isn't a real struggle, not saying there aren't real problems in life, and not saying you don't have a part to play in it or we don't have a part to play in it. It's just saying this. We're not the enemy. You're not the enemy. And let me just get this out of the way up front. This is not a political statement about war. (laughs) I'm not saying we shouldn't fight and there aren't reasons for war and things like that. I'm just trying to share a spiritual truth that I think is a superior truth because it's in the Bible. You're not supposed to be fighting people. The enemy is behind. He's the motivating factor behind us trying to stir us up trying to get us offended, trying to get us mad, trying to get us hurt. We know hurt people hurt people. The enemy was behind that hurt of the first person who hurt the second person. It's his world. It's his kingdom. And this is what we're going to talk about a little today. The struggle's real, but it's not with people. Have you ever been blamed for something that you didn't do? I like to call it marriage. (laughs) If you haven't been married, just trust me. It's going to happen And it's going to happen on a daily basis. But seriously, it it does happen. It's kind of a funny story, but I shouldn't share it, but I'm going to. But I shared it with the first service. We blame each other for a lot of things. I blame my wife. She blames me. Now we have kids, so we put it all on them. It's way easier. But before we had kids, we moved here in 2012. So what is that, five years ago now? We moved here in 2012. We're from Dallas-Fort Worth, so my parents live there, her parents live there. I have brothers, uh, siblings that live there. 
So that's really our home, our family, where we came from. So obviously we go back, visit. We were there last week, and we visit from time to time. Well, when we first moved here five years ago, I would say within the first year or two, while traveling back, we'd be heading westbound back into Midland, and there's a city known as Big Spring that happens to have a large refinery right off the highway. Some of you may see where this is going. All the guys do. Women are like, I don't know. But as I'm heading back westbound, this large refinery is right there that puts off all kinds of toxic smells. And without fail, at least the first five times, I swear, we're driving back into Midland. She slapped me and be like, did you just fart? I'm like, first of all, not the only one in the vehicle. Second of all, there's a huge refinery right there. And I've never let out that kind of smell, thank you very much. <laughs> Come on. But it's way easier now because the youngest one has all kinds of sounds coming out of him at every area. He just moves and just farts constantly. He's a year and a half, and he crushes food, you guys. He literally, it's not even a joke. He eats twice as much. Nearly every single time he eats, he eats twice as much as our four-year-old, almost four-year-old. But some of, some of y'all get it. Four-year-old just wants to drink juice, and he's tall and skinny. The little one's a chunky monkey, and he's way cuter. Fat kids are cuter, okay? <laughs> Agree? Theological statement of the day. The struggle's real. It's not with people. And here's the point. We do play a part, and we're going to talk about ownership later. But you have to see this. People aren't the enemy. You're not the enemy. Neither is your neighbor, your friend. Look, th- this is why it matters. When you really get this and you believe in truth, as a, you believe in the word of God as superior truth, then you go, you know what? I may be a Republican, I may be a Democrat, but if I'm a Democrat, Republicans aren't the enemy. If I'm a Republican, Democrats aren't the enemy. Obama's not the enemy, Trump's not the enemy. Come on, somebody. My friends, <laughs> my family members, my neighbors, my coworkers, my boss, my in-laws are only partially the enemy. Just kidding. To throw that in there. But seriously, people aren't the enemy. Our race, our ethnicity, this is exactly why the enemy's winning right now. This is it. All the color of our skin, your political affiliation. Are we, are we really that dumb? Can I, I just, that just felt right saying it that way. Uh, like, why don't we go to the word? Why don't we let this be the foundation, and why don't we read a scripture and actually take it at face value and be like, hey, world, you're my ally. Let's stop fighting with one another. People aren't the problem. The enemy is the problem. See, and once you get this, once you understand it's not a natural battle, it's not a fight against humanity or fight against people, the enemy creates that and wants us to think that. But once you really get the truth and you know it's spiritual, you know this. I can't win with natural weapons. Not, not a political statement. I'm, I'm, I'm making a superior spiritual point. You can't win a spiritual battle with natural weapons. But the cool thing about that is the Bible actually talks about it. And so Paul goes on and he, he shares about it in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. This is spiritual. He's talking about spiritual strongholds and spiritual forces of evil. He's talking about the demonic. He's talking about the enemy's 
realm. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Look, this is so huge. I love these scriptures that begin to paint a picture and show us, hey, there are two worlds. There's a passage that talks about if you live by the Spirit, this is kind of the fruit of that world. If you live according to the Spirit, if you live according to your sinful nature, this is the fruit of that world. And you give yourself over to drunkenness and, and, and all kinds of debauchery and just crazy living, which I know some of us have at times, more than others maybe. But, but when you live according to that, you're submitted to that kingdom. Look, I, sometimes I want to say it differently, but I just think we need to hear it really clearly. There are only two kingdoms. This isn't a condemning message. It's actually to equip and empower you to be able to live in the light. But when you understand this, there are two kingdoms, and there are two kings. One is the prince of a prince, I should say. One is the prince of this world, the prince of the air. That's the enemy. The other is Jesus, the King Jesus. One is dark, and one is light. So when we live in this way where we just give in to everything we feel and everything we desire, then we're giving in to our flesh or our sinful nature. As you've probably heard this, we say it a lot. You are first and foremost a spirit being. You are a spirit created by a spirit to live in a spiritual world. You happen to have a body and an earth suit, and you happen to live in earth. There are natural elements too, but you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. So there is this realm of your, the, a part of your makeup, I should say, that is natural, that's physical, just like you can cut and bleed. It, 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 there's physical, natural part of this world the Bible actually refers to as your flesh. So when you give in to everything your flesh wants, you make a bunch of bad decisions. And I did that for a lot of my life, and I realized, I, I, I got to the point where I can honestly say, and I would see these scriptures making a lot more sense, I feel like there were strongholds in my life. Like I wanted to be free from things and not be drinking or not be doing this or not be doing that deep down, but I kept giving into it. So of course, how am I going to be free from it? But the Bible explains it and it really helps. And I love what Paul goes on to say, which we just read. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, that just seems hardcore. Well, that's just what the scripture says. Our job is to take our thoughts captive. Can I just tell you this? If you don't control your thoughts, your thoughts will control you. If you just allow your mind to roam, anybody been there? Crazy town. <laughs> You know somebody, you're just like, oh my God, they just say everything that comes in their mind. And we're like, that's why they make no sense ever. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's a joke. But seriously, when we live in that way, we're just like, everything that comes in every, you know, half of those thoughts aren't even yours. The enemy's there. I believe God gives us thoughts too. But when we make decisions, when you receive <laughs> negative thoughts and you don't deal with them, then the enemy is planting negative seed within your makeup. And there's going to be fruit from that seed. So it's just, just listen to it like this. Suicide started with one thought. 
I hate suicide. It's tragic. I experienced that as a youth pastor with well, one of our kids, and I've experienced it a couple different times with a couple people within our community here in Midland and even in this church family. But I, it all starts with one thought. One thought led to another thought. I, I, I don't, I have zero value. Nobody cares about me. Maybe one thought. I hate my life. Second thought. It, it just goes on and on and on when you don't aggressively take those negative thoughts captive. The, the way that you empower the enemy is when you believe lies. He is the author of lies, the author of confusion. Well, the good news is there's another author. There's an author of peace and joy and life and light and hope and redemption and healing and grace and mercy. Which one do you want to listen to? But, but if, we, if we give in to those thoughts and those lies, then we are ultimately submitting to we're submitting to the enemy. I don't know how else to say it. You know, I even looked up the other day. I was thinking about being under the influence and how driving under the influence, by definition, is being impaired by alcohol or another drug so that you cannot safely operate that motor vehicle, driving under the influence. And if I'm being honest, I think it's a good illustration, and I think there's a lot of us at times that have driven under the spiritual influence of the enemy. So we are allowing this external, because once you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The enemy doesn't live inside of you. So actually, you're allowing an external force to persuade you and manipulate you rather than the true internal force. So we receive his lies, and we submit to that. And it's like, I did it, where it's like, well, everyone else is drinking. I might as well drink. Didn't do it for a long time. Then I was like, okay, I'm going to give into this. Then I'm going to give into that. Then I'm going to give into this. So I started with a thought or a desire that I didn't take captive. And can I just tell you this? It's really hard to take it captive if you're not in the Word and don't know the truth. It's not a condemning thing to make you feel bad like you have to know every single Scripture and you better memorize it and you better have it down. No, just get in it. Open the book that will change your life and stay in it. And when you receive that Word, it will cleanse you, it will purify you, it will put you in a place where you realize you're right next to Jesus the whole time. Nothing you can do can separate you from God. But you can make decisions to submit to another kingdom. And this is really important because we do it a lot. It's like, well, give me an example. Okay, when you blow a fuse and allow anger to move you to the point where you just lose it. Which kingdom does it sound like? Don't shout me down when I'm preaching. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know what to think about this right now. I'm just going to keep staring at you. You say something funny. I won't even laugh then. I'm just kidding. But it, it's just true. So, okay. What about being li living your life consumed and controlled by fear? Which kingdom does it sound like? There's only two kingdoms. One kingdom can actually get rid of the other. But when you give into this, I just fear and anxiety and doubt and insecurity 
You don't deal with those thoughts because you're not living in the truth and you're not speaking the truth to those lies. You're not actively combating the lies. You just receive them and you let them be planted within you and you wonder why you can't be free. And you wonder why you have a stronghold in your life. It's exactly what it is. We have divine power to demolish strongholds. Can I just tell you what a stronghold is? It's something spiritual that has strongly laid a hold of you that you can't get free from. It is the only way that you can even be in this place is when you've allowed these negative thoughts to consume you. Depression, anxiety, fear, lack, doubt. All of this kingdom is just receiving those lies and not rejecting them. This is why the answer is the word. You know, I just, I just love this, you know, but I, I could give you several stories, but one comes to mind that I shared with the first service is obviously you can live worldly and you can party and do different things that pretty much any average person around church is going to be like, well, that's probably not right. There's certain decisions like that we all get, but there's some that are a little bit trickier. I remember when I was growing for God at 26 years old, I made a commitment to really live for God and pursue God. And I started making these decisions to to go after him and to continue to grow and just really commit to that. And as I was doing it, I realized I was actually receiving from God and also receiving a lot of judgment that I was operating in. So I was like, you know what, I'm growing with God and I'm, I'm kind of coming out of some things and I'm really learning and I'm also able to see a lot of things in other people that they need to work on. And I didn't have nearly as much a problem telling them about it. <laughs> it's just true. It's not like I was going around to everybody being like, you shouldn't do this, you idiot, this and that. But I, I realized this story. I had judgment in my heart. And the Lord got me, man. <laughs> he got me good because my dad was a her- kind of a hero of mine that lived for God all of his life. And during this season, when I started pursuing God, he really discipled me. And I sat down with him, and I've shared that story a lot, actually, but he poured into me, so he's hugely impactful. And he, was a, he and I were around each other a lot during this time. So it just happened to be that I saw some things in my dad's life that I thought I should bring to his attention. And so one of them was like, I don't like the way that he's talking here or there, and I think he's disrespectful to my mom. And so this is a true story that we were kind of in, in this setting, we're at home and we're talking, and honestly, we were like really praying and like just growing with God together. And during this time, it just worked up in me so much where I was like, I got to say something. Can I just tell you, when that thought pops in your head, sometimes you just need to tell that thought to shut up. I better, I got it. I can't hold it back. No, you need to hold it back. But it came up and I was like, I'm going to tell my dad. And then I, I literally spoke it out and I told him and I was like, I don't like the way you're talking to mom when you did it. Da, 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 da. I kid you not. This is, it's super dramatic, but it's 100% accurate. When I said that, I literally felt something come over me and I got sick to my stomach and started crying. And the Lord said, that is the spirit of judgment. Don't ever do it again. And he said, guess what, hot shot? Correction never goes up. That's why I establish authority. Your job is to submit, not to correct. It, I'm telling you, it came over me. The Lord allowed me, I believe this, the Lord allowed me to physically feel 
what that spirit feels like because I was under the influence of that kingdom when I operated like that. So if you harbor judgment, if you harbor bitterness, if you harbor offense, which kingdom do you think you're submitted to? You know I'm preaching. There's only two. So by doing this, it was like, okay, was I growing with God? Absolutely. I was also growing with the enemy. Same time. God, he, the, the cool thing is he, he convicted me and he dealt with it. But he also restored me and he allowed me to experience that in a really safe place so that I wouldn't do it later somewhere else. And it was really cool. But if I'm being honest, it was three, three months of my life, I was tormented by the thought that I did that. I mean, it was like deep repentance where every time I'd look at my dad, I'd be like, how the flip could I be in that place to do that to this guy that's discipled me and poured everything into me? Like, who am I? And the Lord's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> deal with it. He allowed me to feel it. Do you know some of you are rejecting the very pain that God is trying to apply by pressure to bring healing? I think it's always the enemy. It's not. Do you know when you go to a doctor and you have an open wound, they actually have to apply pressure that causes more pain to your wound so that it can heal? I did it yesterday when I cut my finger open on my ladder. Like our internet was out and I had to let a technician over and let him into the attic and I was talking to Dallas and talking to him and it like sliced my finger. And I just had to, and I grabbed it. And I was like, we're gonna go with super glue on this one. <laughs> but I grabbed it and I had to pinch it and I had to apply more pressure so that I could actually seal it up and deal with it. Look, God wants to do that. God wants to apply pressure to wounds in your life so that they can actually heal. But if you just keep pushing him away, you're just establishing a stronghold that is a fortified city around your life and saying you can't cross these walls. Spiritual stronghold. It's demonic. This is fun, huh? It's true. It's not, we're always like, you know, like Marilyn Manson. Yeah, that's what demons look like. Or these drastic, like, people that are consumed or an exorcist walking backwards downstairs. What about the spirit of religion? The Bible actually says that the enemy masquerades as an angel of light. Oh, you're good. You're fine. Don't deal with it. Just go to your safe place, also known as a stronghold. You can stay bound if you want. Stronghold means like walls like a, in an ancient fortified city, keeping the enemy out. They are deceptively safe. They are safe to your flesh. Well, I don't feel like dealing with that. All right, stay bound then. But when you get there and you're like, man, I just want radical freedom. Lord, I don't want to walk in judgment. I don't want fear to cripple me or keep me from anything God has for me then you say whatever he wants to do and whoever he wants to use, knock the walls down. The Bible says know the truth and the truth will set you free. You cannot be living in this word, receiving truth and also have a stronghold. That's what it does. When, the, when, when Paul says our weapons are not of this world, he said, our weapons aren't natural, they're spiritual. And when you go on to read, you get to read examples like Ephesians 6, 
when it talks about the armor of God. And it begins to explain, and I'll read it to you right now. Finally, be strong in the Lord. This is Ephesians 6, 10. We read 12, verse 12. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Then it goes on. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all, stand firm. Stand. Therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Interesting that truth is what girds everything and holds the whole uniform of the armor together. And righteousness is a breastplate which goes over your heart, meaning you're forever in right standing with God. That should cover your heart. No matter what you do, you're never too far away from healing. You're never too far away from restoration. You cannot run from God. He won't leave you. Oh, the shield of faith. Faith is what pleases God and what resists the enemy's attacks. Oh, peace on your feet. Interesting. Maybe it's telling us that peace is what should lead us every step of the way. Do you know you can have peace in the craziest of situations and circumstances? I had to move my senior high school because I got in trouble and had the option. You can stay here or you can move. I prayed for the first time in my life and God said, you're supposed to move. Your senior year of high school, being recruited to play college basketball, this makes zero sense. But all I felt was supernatural, crazy, funky peace. And the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit were saved by grace through faith. The grace of God through the faith of Jesus should guard your mind. It, this is incredible. But even in all of that and all those amazing illustrations, none of those are weapons unless you headbutt someone with salvation or smack someone with the shield of faith. The only weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You cannot win a spiritual battle versus spiritual forces if you're not in the Word. I say this all the time. All the people I've met with over the last years of my life living for God, I realize and I even encourage them, if you don't get in the Word, you will have to continue to have people pray over you and counsel you. But when you get in the Word, it's like the Bible tells us to pray for people, pray for healing and pray for people. And there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel, but never at the expense of having your own foundation of truth. Because you will just need people to be what Holy Spirit wants to be for you. But he can't be that if you're not in his word, because Holy Spirit feeds on the word of God, which is also known as the seed. And Holy Spirit is likened to a dove multiple times in the Bible, and a dove feeds on seed. If you don't read this word, Holy Spirit inside of you is starving. You've got to get in it. You've got to get in it. Trust me. I want to so badly. I'm like, I, to pray and have these, I, I, I have been to pretty much every conference 
you could think of. If it's worship, it's prophetic, if it's just teach, what, whatever kind of conference, I've pretty much been to them all. And I love conferences and I'll continue to go. But, but I just have this thing burning inside of me where I see this picture of the church that is sitting in these seats, receiving truth and encouraging them to go to the word to be the foundation so that another conference doesn't have to be your foundation. There's nothing wrong with going to a conference as long as it's not your foundation. But people do it and that's what church is, Sunday church. I'm gonna go and get fed. Like, no, you should go and get water poured on the seed that's already in you from the word. The word is the only weapon mentioned in the Bible. It talks about armor, but the sword of the Spirit is known as the word of God, and the belt of truth is also the holster with, by which the sword is held. You cannot have truth apart from his word, and you cannot be free apart from his truth. So you cannot live in freedom. You cannot overcome strongholds. You cannot take captive the thoughts without countering it with this weapon. If you're like, well, I got cancer, what do you say for that? Isaiah 53, 5. For by his stripes we are healed. He was punished for our transgression. The punishment of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we're healed. Why well, deal with severe anxiety? Great, Philippians 4, 6 is a really good weapon for that. Don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Just start writing a list of all the things you're thankful for, even if you're not sure if you're really thankful, and see what happens. As you live in this place of thanksgiving, watch how anxiety just falls off because you're focused on one kingdom and not the other. Just there's a scripture that's an antidote and a remedy for every single thing, every dart the enemy shoots at you, throws at you. God has already provided the answer. It all comes through Jesus, but Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and God was the Word. John 1.1. This is it. That's all I got. <laughs> like, I want to I pray, uh, and I, we will. But it's like, I'm the guy. I, I shared last service. I believe in the supernatural as much as anybody you talk to. I'm, clearly, I'm talking about demons. <laughs> I believe in angels, demons. I've had dreams my whole life. I see things all the time, visions, experiences. I move to the core where I feel things. I get drunk in the Spirit because it's biblical. Don't get drunk on wine. Get filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is similar to being drunk. It's just holy. Through all these experiences, I believe all of them. But if I encourage you and push you to go to these experiences and you're not first and foremost understanding this is the foundation, you won't make it. You just have to have another conference, another service, another message. But this has the ability to change your life by changing your perspective. When you get in this word, it is the only way you will receive truth and live in freedom. That's the answer. There is a war. It's not with people. It's spiritual. The only way you win this war is by using the word of God. It is exactly what Jesus did. That's it. When, when the enemy came, Matthew 4, we read it last, last service. You can go read it. Matthew chapter 4, it says the Spirit, the Spirit lured Jesus and led him to the desert to be tempted by the devil. 
So none of us are above temptation because we're all human. We all have flesh. The enemy's real. He will tempt us. It's not about praying against temptation. It's about being full and having your armor on so that you can stand and having the weapon. So every single time he said, hey, I know you're hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Why don't you just pray and turn those rocks to bread? Like, that actually sounds like a really good idea. But he's like, no, the word says it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone. Well, take yourself up here and you know, why don't you throw yourself down from this highest place? Because the word says, the enemy said this, the word says it is written. He'll command his angels concerning you and they'll hold up your feet and you won't fall. You won't even strike your foot against a rock. Are the enemy's quoting scripture now. If he quotes it, you probably should too. It is written. The third one, the same thing. And Jesus' response is the exact same every single time. Hey, hey, hey. Okay. It is written. He's standing on the word. The word that they had, it wasn't even fulfilled because he, he wasn't even done. But the word that they had inspired by God through prophets and through people to be written down, Jesus knew that then. He was in the temple studying as a kid. He knew the word. You cannot win this battle apart from the word. So stop fighting people and start fighting the true enemy. And you have to have this weapon, which is the word of God. It is the only way you will win. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.